Hello, and welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we're releasing a bonus episode. Uh, you might be able to tell from my voice that it isn't kind of bonus episode that I normally like to release. We are releasing an episode for from a guest who we interviewed on bon- Boundless Body Radio, uh, Dr. Al Dannenberg, who has passed away. In his words, he has moved into the transition from life to death. Um, we interviewed Dr. Al Dannenberg, who's known as Dr. Al uh, by his friends and family, um, on episode 104 that was called um, Define Death with Dr. Al Dannenberg. We released that episode on May 28, 2021. Um, Dr. Al was given a diagnosis of terminal cancer, um, a diagnosis of ter- ter- terminal cancer, excuse me. I've taken this <laughs> introduction three times from emotion, so I'm not going to edit anything out. I'm sorry about the goof. Uh, Dr. Dow was given a diagnosis of three to six months of terminal un- un- uncurable cancer, um, and from that, he developed his un- uh, unconventional cancer protocols, which included things like eating a carnivore diet. Um, he had lots of different things in those protocols, which we will tag in the show notes. And he was, after given a prognosis of um, you know three to six months that the cancer would take, and he actually was able to survive for another five years before um, he again transitioned from life to death. Um, I'm going to let you listen in on this one. I thought it was a really good conversation. Again, we're doing it in honor of him. I'm also going to read the opening kind of paragraph and the closing paragraph of something that he released um, on August 3rd, um, 2023, which is the day after he died. He um, calls this an open letter to my readers. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. We'll definitely tag it in the notes. Um, But I thought this would be important to read the first kind of paragraph and then the very last section called My Wish for You. You're reading this because I have moved into the transition from life to death. My amazing marketing strategist and friend, Jessica Norman, has agreed to publish this open letter. For my followers, I sincerely thank you and appreciate your many encouraging comments throughout my cancer journey (laughs) starting in 2018. I'm sorry. Uh, You may not know it, but those comments often made my day many times over. I devour positive feedback, yet, as you know, I have had some naysayers exclaiming I was over-exaggerating my condition and promoting lies that my way of eating was an unhealthy diet. Transparency has been my intention throughout this entire journey. I hope you can learn from my experiences and apply it to your own health and wellness. And this is the close of the letter with the paragraph called, My Wish for You. Take my learnings to heart. You don't have to eat exactly what I did or follow my unconventional cancer protocols to a T. But know that many of us will get sick. Our loved ones will get sick. But you're not helpless. There are so many things that you can do, even when the outlook is grim. Take it from me. Not only did I outlive my prognosis, but I was able to thrive during that time. Pay attention to your gut health. Make dental health a priority. Eliminate things you know are bad for you, even if the FDA allows them to remain in our lives or not. Making these changes to your daily life will empower you to retain your good health for as long as possible. And take it from me, your health is the most priceless form of wealth. God bless, Dr. Al. Uh, Okay, I'm going to close out this one, obviously, a little bit emotional. Um, Enjoy this episode. He was a great man who left a lot of great teachings and helped a lot of people. We're not going to leave a call to action at the end of this. So just thank you so much for listening to Balanced Body Radio.
welcome to another episode of Boundless Body Radio. I'm your host, Casey Ruff, and today we have another amazing guest to introduce to you now. Dr. Al Dannenberg is a periodontist, a certified functional medicine practitioner, an ADAPT-trained health professional, and a certified primal health coach. Dr. Al, as he is known by his friends and family, was not supposed to be alive to see 2019. He was diagnosed with terminal cancer and was given three to six months to live. This led him to create his unconventional cancer protocols, which he believes helped keep him alive. Now, he shares his message with anyone who wants to try his methods. He is the author of the book, Crazy Good Living, which he wrote in 2017. He and his wife, Sue, have been married since 1969. Wow, that's so awesome. And are enjoying life in Charleston, South Carolina. You can find Dr. Al at Dr. That's D-R, Dannenberg.com. Dr. Al Dannenberg, what a pleasure and honor it is to host you on our show, Boundless Body Radio. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It is a pleasure. Absolutely. We, um, we have so many different and interesting things to talk about with you. You have lived a crazy, crazy life. And the only thing that makes me like believe that you've actually gone through it is that you are the age that you claim to be, but <laughs> you don't look at all like you're the age you claim to be. You've got a birthday coming up tomorrow. How old are you going to be? I will be 74. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it's unbelievable when we look at you and see how healthy and fit you look, um, how well you've taken care of yourself. Um, that's quite amazing. <laughs> 74 years old. Thank you. I, I mean, obviously, this is the way I wanted it to be, right? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, the, the right side of the dirt that you want to be on, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Well, in those 74 years, you seem to have experienced a thing or two. You seem to have learned a thing or two. I want to talk first about your career. What what made you want to do um, a career in dentistry? Wow. So we are really going back in time, you know? Um, <laughs> let's see. I, for some reason, I thought the healthcare profession was interesting. Um, even when I was in high school, I thought I really wanted to get into healthcare. I had no idea what kind of healthcare I was. Um, I had a job. I was living in Baltimore, Maryland. I had a job in Washington, DC. And it was, um, I can't remember what year in uh, high school or college it was. And I was actually a delivery boy for a dental lab that were um, creating dentures and crowns and dental products for patients or doctors to, to provide their patients. And I, my job was to take this stuff from the dental lab and go to the different dental offices to deliver to the dentist who would in turn would provide it to their patients. And I got to meet I don't know, 20, 25 different dentists on a regular basis. And we kind of schmooze and, and I got to learn a little bit about their, their lifestyle and, and the career that they had engaged with. And, and it just was fascinating to me. So from that point on, I thought, you know, dentistry would be a good healthcare profession. And it met my needs, I thought. So I went mm -hmm. to college, you know, university, uh, Maryland and, um, eventually got into dental school. And when I got into dental school, I loved the concept of gum treatment, gum disease, and specialized after I got out of dental school in a specialty called periodontics or periodontology, which is the specialty of treating gums and jawbone from infections and that type mm. of stuff. Got out of um, 
graduate school in the early 1970s, um, probably before you were born, and um, actually eventually got to Charleston, South Carolina, became a periodontist in the city, practiced for 44 years until September 2018, which is the day that I retired. Wow. So when you look back on your career, what were some of the major changes that you saw in, in kind of the evolution of, you know, periodontics themselves? Like what things were you doing in the beginning of your career that you weren't necessarily doing later on? Great question. So I was trained in a very conventional way, meaning I knew nothing about nutrition. Um, and really the, the mouth was almost an island unto itself. And we were treating periodontal disease, gum disease, by improving oral hygiene, meaning brushing and flossing better, and doing procedures to remove hard deposits called tartar or dental calculus from under the gum that created problems, treating a variety of damaged bone structure with a variety of surgical procedures and bone grafting procedures to try to get the bone to grow. Eventually, implants started to become popular in dentistry. So I was learning how to place implants properly. So as a periodontist, I not only treated gum disease and, and bone problems with surgery, but I also was replacing teeth with implants. And that's mm. kind of the schedule that I was going through very conventionally until about seven or eight years um, before I retired. So I, I guess about um, 2010. 2010, I started to learn about laser treatments and some very specific lasers in the area of periodontics that not only treated the disease extremely well, but also allowed me to regenerate jawbone that was damaged in patients. Hmm. And the beautiful thing was that this laser procedure, which was not only very well documented all over the world um, at this point, but you had to be licensed to do it. So you really had to learn the technology very, very well before you could even do it on patients. So it, takes, it took about an, a year and a half to learn and get licensed in this procedure. Mm. So when I finally learned it, I was getting results that I could never get conventionally years before. And in addition, it was a non-surgical procedure um, in that the gum tissue did not have to be cut to treat this disease uh, or the bone. And in addition, the patients um, the next day could go back their normal routine. They didn't have mm. to deal with healing gum and bone surgery, which could take several weeks and was very painful uh, previously. So that was a major change in my way of treating active periodontal disease. Mm. But there were a few other things that happened. So at the age of 59, please stop me as soon as it gets boring. No, this so is at great. The age of, <laughs> at the age of 59, before I had um, real, really started doing um, these procedures, I had a stroke, uh, believe it or not. I thought I was a healthy guy. I obviously was not. And I had a stroke. My docs, uh, conventional medicine docs, saved my life. He, they put me on seven medicines for the rest of my life. And um, 
uh, I was very uncomfortable because I didn't know why I had a stroke. The doctors had no idea. They said, you know, eat a healthier diet, exercise. What did that mean? And then I needed to figure out what was going on in my body. So I went to the organizations that most people might go to, like the American Cancer Society, American Heart Association, American Diabetic Association, to try to figure out what was wrong with my diet or life. And they all had similar ideas, and I started to incorporate them. And along the way, I learned the laser procedures and got involved with them. But I was still on seven medications. Um, I was about 187 pounds, lost a few pounds. But I still was on seven medications until the age of um, 66. So at the age of 66, I found a course at the Kripalu Center for yoga and health of all places mm. that was for healthcare professionals. And it was going to explain and summarize healthy nutrition. And I thought this was just going to be ideal for me. I was going to really hone in my skills and confirm everything I was doing. And I took the course. Like I said, it's a five-day course, very intensive, maybe six or seven professors that were giving the course. And during that time, I learned that Almost everything I was doing was wrong. And I learned about paleo nutrition and paleo lifestyle. And that blew me away. And I called my wife and I said, look, I have some new ideas I want to incorporate when I get home. And of course, she had some different ideas. But when <laughs> I got home, we bumped heads a little bit. And she said, okay, I'll give you 30 days. Let's see how it goes. So if you're familiar with a paleo diet, I removed grains and I re removed legumes and processed sugars and processed seed and vegetable oils all from my pantry and all the, the frozen foods and everything that we had. We had seven bags of groceries to take to the food bank wow. and we basically had no food in the house. So my wife and I went out shopping to start buying organic food, and we learned about how to shop at a farmer's market. We started to buy um, pasture-raised animal products, and it, it was a, an amazing thing. Wow. So here's the important thing. At the age of 66, I learned this, and by the age of 68, two years of literally changing my lifestyle and diet, I got off all seven medications. Wow. I lost... Uh, lost over 30, 35 pounds. And I thought I was the picture of health. I thought I was the senior poster boy for a healthy lifestyle. Wow. And now I started to incorporate these new concepts of nutrition and lifestyle with my cutting edge laser treatment I was doing in with my patients already. And I was turning the world on end. I was putting together things that no other periodontist that I knew of was doing with their patients. Wow. And my patients were getting phenomenal results. Not only was I getting healthier, my patients were getting healthier. Wow. And so this is the age of 66, and I'm continuing on, on my path. And I started to get a little bit of notoriety. I, I wrote a book. I started to do um, seminars around the country. I was doing consults all over the world. And by... Uh, let's see, it would be um, April of 2018, I'm asked to, and I've been speaking quite a bit 
everywhere. And I was asked to speak at the Paleo FX meeting in Austin, Texas. So April 2018, I'm 71 years old now. And again, I'm like I'm telling you, I really felt I was the poster boy, senior poster boy for a healthy lifestyle. So I'm speaking, I'm going to go to Austin, Texas from Charleston, South Carolina, where I live and deliver this little speech that I uh, prepared. So when I'm traveling from Charleston to Austin, I have to go through Atlanta, big airport. I like to walk the concourses between flights if I have enough time, which I had. And I take my bag, this carry-on bag on my right shoulder, and I'm walking. And all of a sudden, my right shoulder is really, really sore. Now, you know, I'm a wuss. I really don't like pain. And it's <laughs> it's uncomfortable. And it's not going away. I felt maybe I pulled something. Anyhow, I get to Austin. I do my speech. I get back to Charleston. And this pain is continuing in my right shoulder. And then the right, the pain in the right shoulder kind of goes back to my back um, area of my shoulder. And then it comes to my rib cage in the front. And it actually starts to be difficult to breathe deeply. Wow. Um, finally, because I'm a little pigheaded, finally I go to see my physician. So now it is August of 2000. 18 and I'm going to my physician and he looks at me and he says, yeah, you've got some problems. Uh, of course we joke a little bit. Why am I there? Because I'm not having a good time. So I tell Bobby, come on, what, what do we need to do? He said, I don't know really what's going on yet. Let's do some blood tests and take what's called a CRP. A CRP is a C-reactive protein. It's a biomarker to identify inflammation that is going on in your system. It doesn't tell if it's acute or chronic. It doesn't tell where the inflammation is. It just alerts the doctor to understand something's going on. We need to figure it out. Mm. So all the blood work comes back relatively normal. This is very important. All the bug work comes back normal, except the C-reactive protein is way out of line. And it's basically saying, I have some inflammation in my body, but we don't know what it is. So my physician, again, this is August of 2018, orders an MRI. It's a, uh, um, a magnetic resonant um, type of x-ray, not an x-ray, but picture of your body. And it shows a lot of soft tissue lesions and it can show the skeleton a little bit. So we do that and he calls me when he gets the report a week or so later and he asks me, do I want to come into the office or whatever? And I say, yeah, we can talk about it on the phone. How bad could it be? So he starts to joke around and he says, um, did you get beaten up or did you fall down some stairs? And I said, of course I didn't. I just was carrying this bag and my shoulder just got so sore and eventually it started to hurt my chest. And he said, well, let me tell you what I think it is. And he tells me, first of all, that he sees a compression fracture in one of my vertebrae. Wow. He sees several broken ribs and a hairline fracture, fracture in my pelvis. And then he says, after he jokes around initially, he says, I think you have either lymphoma, leukemia, or multiple myeloma. Wow. Well, 
first of all, these are three cancers. How is it possible that this 71-year-old guy who thinks he's the picture of a senior, healthy individual have cancer when he is living such a healthy lifestyle for the last, I don't know, six or so years? Blew me away. My, my life came crumbling down instantly because I knew that life would be no longer the same. Mm. So he says, I need to get you to an oncologist. I don't know any oncologists, obviously. Uh, he recommends a great person who actually is my oncologist today. And um, my wife and two adult children come to the office. Before that, the oncologist orders quite a number of different types of blood tests. And uh, by the way, I didn't tell you that my, the MRI also showed a soft tissue mass on the side of my spine, about two centimeters wide. So we're getting a biopsy of that also. Wow. So I go into my oncologist's office. And again, my wife and two adult children are there. He's a wonderful guy. He shows me all the data that he's collected. And he basically um, looks tells me that the disease I have is called IgA kappa light chain multiple myeloma with innumerable lytic lesions of my entire skeleton. So what does that mean? It's a bone marrow cancer. It's the cancer of my plasma cells, mm. which are the cells that create antibodies in my body. And I have all these holes in my skeleton, like a person with severe osteoporosis, which is the result of my multiple myeloma. Wow. And that's why I have pain and I have all these fractures because my bones are so fragile, a bend or a twist could break them like a toothpick. Uh. So this is what I am thrown against at this moment. And then he says, your disease is incurable. So there is no cure for this type of multiple myeloma. And he gives me three to six months to live. Wow. Mm. So he says, now we can extend that if you get started with chemotherapy tomorrow. And he goes into the rigmarole of the treatment. And I say, well, wait a minute. Why would I even consider chemotherapy if my disease is incurable and I'm going to die? Right. He said, well, if you do chemotherapy, you're going to go into remission. And when you're in remission, you're going to be fine until the disease uh, comes back. And when it comes back, we'll have to give you different chemotherapy, more caustic because the original wouldn't work any longer. Um, so that you can go into remission. So I'm saying, of course, I'm thinking these questions very rapidly and I'm asking him, well, well, what's going to happen to the quality of my life? It's going, you know, you're going to get more caustic. And he says, well, unfortunately, while you're in treatment, the quality of your life is going to go down. And obviously we don't have a cure for this disease. So eventually you will succumb to multiple myeloma and of course, my next question is, well, how am I going to die? Because mm. I need to know this. And so he tells me, 
most multiple myeloma, multiple myeloma patients die from either severe anemia and bleeding because the red blood cells are being pushed out because of the malignant plasma cells, or I will die from an infection that can not be treated because my immune system is going to be so shot, my body cannot even heal itself, even with masses of antibiotic therapy, or I will go into kidney failure and die because of that. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. So I, I have, I believe to make a very quick decision. I'm looking at my wife. She knows my beliefs at this point, And I say, um, I reject chemotherapy. Why would I put myself through caustic, archaic therapies like chemotherapy to destroy my entire immune system and then hope it's going to get rebuilt and still have a decrease in my quality of life. And eventually I'm going to die from this disease anyhow. Wow. The only thing that meant anything to me was quality of life. And I felt great except for the pain. Now the pain was basically because of the broken ribs piercing my uh, uh, lungs as I was trying to take deep breaths. So I did have some radiation treatment on my sternum to stop the pain but it didn't treat the disease, but it stopped the pain. I had no problem with that. Mm. I, I accepted that. I rejected chemotherapy and immediately, and he was on my side, by the way, and he's still on my side. And um, I began, as I told him I was going to do, to research alternative types of therapy that made sense to me to see if I can maintain a quality of life longevity meant nothing to me. So if I died in six months, that's okay. As long as I felt good. Um, I I didn't want to live 10 years. Like I see other cancer patients, some cancer patients uh, living and they just look miserable and miserable and miserable. And then they die. I'm not interested in that. Totally. No, I had a front row seat to that. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer in the late nineties. So we changed our diet, definitely started eating healthier, lots of whole grains, lots of fruits, anything that was low fat was totally fine. And for seven and a half years, she was getting radiated and chemotherapy on and off and on and off and on and off. And of course the diet was not going to support that. And there was one point I remember they were giving her, you're talking about pain. They were giving her like the, the strongest Oxycontins you can get. And they would tell her like, well, if you need like immediate pain relief, make sure you chew these like that cannot be good for you. It's terrible. Well, first of all, sadly enough, the cancer docs, my oncologist included, never discussed the potential side effects of therapy. Um, The side effects can be more uncomfortable than cancer. Hmm. Um, Constipation because of narcotics. If you've ever been constipated, really constipated, it is painful. And some of these chemotherapy drugs and radiation will change not only your microbiome in your gut, we can get into that in a moment if you want later, um, but it will damage all of the mucous membrane tissues from the tip of your tongue to your anus. And so it creates ulceration called mucositis and oral mucositis, which is these lesions that develop in your mouth are so painful. It's almost impossible to speak, very difficult to swallow, almost impossible to eat anything other than swallow some liquids, possibly. The pain is excruciating. Wow. And it could take weeks to heal it from corticosteroid prescription drugs. Oh, my God. Uh, These are side effects. These are the side effects of this treatment. Wow. So 
I did my research and I came up with a variety of protocols, which I've tweaked significantly over and over again until where I am today. I have approximately 10 protocols that I follow. And my protocols, although one is very specific for me because it does include some immunotherapy, which is not chemotherapy that I started uh, a few months ago, but all of them basically create or recreate a robust immune system so I can fight and heal myself as best as possible. And those, those protocols are effective for anybody and everybody that is part of the human species. Mm, that's anybody amazing. and everybody. And it, believe me, it is amazing. I've never seen it all put together like this. Wow. Now I will tell you, I did not develop all these concepts. I just did research. I found the dots. I put them together. It made sense to me. And I'm a study of N equals one. If it didn't work, I threw it out. If it worked, I incorporated it. And that's where I am today, two and a half or so years after my diagnosis. That's amazing. Um, if you don't so mind, would you would you do a quick story. experimentation? Just, just if there's any skeptical yeah. listeners out there, would you mind just double checking to see if you're alive right now? <laughs> I think you are. He but sounds what, like what you, you are, but you want, since we're not on video, should I pick my nose? That would be great. That would be great. Yeah. You weren't supposed to see the other side of 2019. Like we talked about. And like you mentioned, it's so right. well, amazing. Let me, let me tell you what's even more amazing. So I get started with these protocols. That's now September, 2018. I do. I'm doing well. I'm not in remission. I'm not getting worse. I'm doing well. I have a couple more pathological fractures, which I knew I was going to have. I was very careful, but not careful enough. So now let's fast forward to August of 2019. So August, 2019, I'm standing in my bathroom, brushing and flossing my teeth. I'm, my feet are on, flat on the floor. Now, I go to throw my dental floss into the trash can, which is to my left. So again, I envision this. I'm standing on the floor. I twist 90 degrees to the left. My feet are still on the floor. Twist 90 degrees to the left. So I take my right arm to throw the dental floss in the trash can. As soon as I get to that point of 90 degrees or so, my right femur snaps in half. Oh. I crashed to the, obviously in that moment, I break two more ribs and my right humerus snaps in half. So now I am literally on the floor. I'm assuming I'm on my right side. I can't remember. I guess I am um, writhing in pain. I'm screaming for my wife who's in the other room and everything is going through my mind. And one of the things that's going through my mind is number one, I know I'm in bad shape because I see my right arm and my right leg in positions that I could never bend them. And I know that my oncologist gave me three to six months to live. It's been now a year. So I've outlived my prognosis. And I also know, unfortunately, from people and patients that I've known in the past, if they've ever had a fractured hip, they tend to really go down medically very done. Die very yeah, soon. they're done. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm my the right side of my body, I think, is really in terrible shape because of these fractures. I know my bone, I know my my plasma cell malignancy, and I I'm ready to die. 
and I really want to die because I can never imagine myself having any quality of life from that point on because of all these fractures. So my wife eventually gets into the room. She's screaming and crying and everything that you can imagine emotionally is happening. She calls EMS. They come. They eventually get me out, me on a stretcher, take me to the hospital. My right femur is ready because it's snapped in half. It's very like a chicken bone, very sharp. I'm assuming uh, it's ready to perforate the femoral artery. I would have bled to death. So they fixed that. My right humerus, they don't fix because I reject anything else. And of course, they don't do anything for the ribs. And they send me to a hospice hospital to die. So this is the end of August 2019. I'm in a hospice hospital to die. I am catheterized. I am on heavy narcotics and other meds, um, literally bedridden, can't really move myself. And there is now, this is the first week of September, 2019, there is a hurricane threatening to come to Charleston. It's called Hurricane Dorian. And it has, it's only moving at a mile an hour, but it has 187 mile an hour winds. And it is predicted to strike around the hospital area. Wow. So the hospital is, is ordered to evacuate all their patients. They don't know where to send me. My wife's a nurse. She arranges for a hospital bed. They send me to my home. The hurricane comes through. I'm at home. I'm still in hospice. Now I'm at home in hospice, still catheterized and everything else. And um, my wife, who is an amazing woman, uh, really knocks me upside the head emotionally, psychologically, with some tough love. And she says, look, you are not a victim. You are a survivor. You've done this cancer protocols up until this point. It worked well for you. Let's get you back on the cancer protocols. Let me get a physical therapist in the house. Let's see what we can do. So she does that. Uh, she's very insistent. She's big-headed like me. <laughs> and so um, this physical therapist is amazing. He works with me. He gets me to sit up in bed. Eventually, the catheter comes out. And by the way, this catheter was in my body for 30 days. I don't know if you've ever had a catheter, but it's awful. Wow. Um, and, then, and then I start to walk or get up on a walker, and eventually I'm walking a little bit in the house, and I start to rally. I revoke hospice, and I do so well the next month, which is October. I go to my oncologist, I get into a car, go to my oncologist, and he's amazed that I'm still alive. So he then um, suggests an immunotherapy drug that just came out from the FDA, very specifically for my type of malignancy in pl my plasma cells. It's not chemotherapy. It supports my immune system. And I get started on that. And then fast forward to May of 2020, he wants to see how my cancer cells are doing and he wants to get what's called a CT scan, a PET CT scan. So a PET scan actually is a type of x-ray from the tip of your head to the tip of your toes that looks for cancer cells. They inject you with a radioactive glucose solution and cancer cells love glucose. So the glucose gets eaten up cells and it glows on the x-ray and they can see where the cancer cells are. So I had one in the beginning when I was diagnosed. I had one the year before, all of which showed lots of cancer cells. So now May 2020, I have my third one. 
And when the report comes back to my radio, uh, my oncologist, he calls me and he says, make sure your wife is on speakerphone. And he reads the radiology report. And the radiology report says no active cancer cells <laughs> visible in your entire skeleton. That is amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. So I kind of <laughs> levitate. My wife is screaming and crying at the same time. But by the time I come back to Earth, I, I realize that a PET scan only shows moderate advanced, to advanced stages of cancer. So it doesn't show very small cells that are floating around. So I am not in remission. I do not have a cure for cancer, but I do have a method to create a quite significant, robust immune system. And believe me, when I tell you, I am thriving today. That is amazing. I but That's my story. <laughs> that's such an incredible story. I, I was just absolutely not looking forward to hearing that story again. I've heard it probably 10 times in the last you know few days doing research for this. Like that, what a oh, horrible, sorry about it. horrible, yeah. horrible thing to have happen. But what an amazing yeah. recovery and what an amazing thing to share with everybody out there. I'm so glad you mentioned the glucose. And I just for the listener, like it makes so much sense that the solution would have to be glucose because cancer feeds off of glucose. So that right there should tell you something. We interviewed Dr. Tom Seyfried, who has done oh, an amazing amount of guy. research. He's, yeah. he's just so great. And he talks a lot about removing cancer, but also, um, but also like dealing with, um, glutamine, which glutamine. we're still glutamine, trying to have. Right. Yeah. We're trying to figure out a way to do that, but can somebody, um, get really good results just by reducing the amount of glucose in their diet? Well, first of all, any one thing is not going to do it. And so glucose is a preferable food for cancer, but it also uses glutamine. And you can't get rid of glutamine because it's a very critical amino acid for the immune system and all kinds of activities in your body. If you decreased glutamine, um, you would have some significant problems. So mm. I don't believe that that's the way to go. And uh, Dr. Seafried also will tell you that cancer is a disease of metabolic dysfunction as well as mitochondrial dysfunction. Mm. So if you can deal with the mitochondria and the metabolism, then you may have get a handle on your cancer, which are two of my very critical protocols that I work with in my um, unconventional cancer protocol. Mm. So uh, I don't believe that glucose is the only way to go. And I will tell you this anecdotal piece of information, but I guess it's true with all cancer clinics or the majority of conventional cancer, cancer clinics. I go to a very sophisticated cancer clinic here and um, uh, I do go into an infusion area where I get my immunotherapy once a month. And there are patients in there getting chemotherapy as well as um, the kind of stuff that I get. And so Many times the nurses in the cancer clinic, just listen to this, are serving these patients chocolate chip cookies oh, and soda. No. Yes, it is so. Criminal. That's and criminal in my mind. I, I can't wrap my head around I that. I agree. I mentioned that to my oncologist when I first discovered it, and he was... He seemed appalled that it was happening, but it never really corrected itself. But um, the, the concept that 
diet has anything to do with cancer is not mainstream medicine. And I just don't understand that at all. Yeah, I agree. That makes no sense, especially at this point, like maybe 20, 30 years ago, you yeah, know, I agree. There's an excuse yep. there, right. but, but yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think there's any excuse anymore. Um, I, I'm so glad you mentioned that you need the whole plan to be able to make it work. It's not just one thing. If you could choose maybe two or three of the top, um, lifestyle changes that somebody could make from Absolutely. your unconventional, um, you know, cancer protocols. I'd love to hear about them. Yes. So I evolved with my diet. Originally I was on a paleo diet. Like I told you when I, when I went to the Kripalu center for yoga and health and I lived with a paleo diet very successfully. Um, by the way, just remind me, I want to tell you why I think I have cancer. Um, cause I think, I think I've gotten to the roots of it, but, um, so the paleo diet was great, but when I was diagnosed in September, 2018, I realized that I needed to be a little more strict. And I went to what's called an autoimmune paleo diet, where you eliminate certain things that affect the immune system in a negative way, especially nightshades. Um, a few things, certainly milk was not uh, good for the diet. So I eliminated those and I was on this paleo autoimmune diet. But along the way, again, and again, I'm very geeky, so I'm always looking into different things that make sense to me. And I started to learn about a carnivore diet, an animal-based diet, removing plants from my entire diet. And one of the biggest areas in the world that utilizes this concept to phenomenal success is a clinic, medical clinic in Budapest, Hungary, called the Paleo Medicina Clinic. Mm, that's right. And this clinic has been around for 10 years or so. They have treated over 5,000 patients. They basically treat severe chronic diseases and uh, all kinds of types of cancer. They do great work. And they put their patients, yeah. And they put their patients on a very strict animal-based diet. They call it the paleolithic ketogenic diet. They have some specific parameters that are totally different than a paleo diet, totally different than just a keto diet, but a combination of both. And, and they have their patients have uh, taking no prescription drugs and no supplements. And all of these patients... Um, are being treated just with this diet. Now they write up case reports of a variety of these individuals that are quite compelling to read because they're getting amazing results. So when I understood the medical basis for this type of a diet, I started a carnivore diet on January 1st, 2020. So that is the critical element of my diet in my cancer protocols, but it's just not the food that you eat. Um, obviously the food, the animals have to be pastured. They can't be uh, um, fed with grains. It has to be grass fed, no chemicals, no hormones, you know, organic. It has to be very clean food. But in addition, it's just not the food you chew. It's the water you drink. And one of the things that I never really understood until several months ago was that all this filtered water that I was thinking that is the healthiest water I could drink 
is really very dead water. There's nothing in it. There's no minerals anymore. Now, you can get filtered water that now, like reverse osmosis and whatever, and then add synthetic man-made chemical electrolytes if you want. But still, how many of those are in the uh, arena of trace that is a natural state? So what I've learned to do is to just drink mineral water, real mineral water. Mm. Uh, my favorites are Evian from France or Fiji from the Fiji Islands or uh, Gerald Steiner from Germany, and they are loaded with minerals. Mm. In addition, I drink a glass of Soleil every morning. Now, Soleil is not something you buy, but Soleil you prepare. Soleil is a concentrated form of Himalayan salt. So if you're familiar with Himalayan salt, uh, from the Himalayan mountains, this these salt crystals are from prehistoric evaporated oceans. And these salt crystals have been assayed and they have about 84 trace minerals. You can take these crystals, not the granulated um, salt, but like, like rocks of salt, like two inch rocks of this Himalayan salt, put it in a mason jar, fill it halfway in a mason jar, then fill the rest of it with pure, unfiltered, unprocessed spring water mm. and fill it to the top and let it sit for 24 hours. The salt solution, the 84 trace minerals will dissolve in the water up until the point where it can't dissolve anymore. And that's called a super saturated liquid. And that's called Soleil, S-O-L-E. That sounds amazing. You take a teaspoon, it is. I, I can prove it to you in a moment. So you take a, I am a body of knowledge. You know that, right? <laughs> so you take a teaspoon of this Soleil and add it to a glass of just regular spring water, nothing fancy, but no processing, uh, eight ounces, and that one teaspoon of Soleil in eight ounces of spring water, drink it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, nothing for an hour, a half hour to an hour afterwards, and then go about your normal routine. So I do that every day. Um, theoretically, some from the research that I read, it can help energize your body, help hydrate your body, help do other things with structured water in your body. Mm. All these things are very difficult to prove, but I will tell you something fascinating. When I started my animal-based diet in January of 2020, uh, one of the blood tests that I have every four weeks, every four weeks is a BUN, blood urea nitrogen. It identifies kidney function and a few other things, but it also, if you're eating a tremendous amount of excess protein. It can be a high uh, level if you're um, dehydrated or you have diarrhea or you're vomiting, it could go high. Well, from the day I was starting my animal-based diet, my BUN started to go high normal and, uh, and significantly above normal all the time. My oncologist was constantly telling me I had to hydrate better because my my kidneys were functioning quite normally. And I was telling him I was drinking so much water, I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't improve it. So when I learned about Soleil maybe five months ago, I started drinking Soleil. Amazing. And the only thing that is different 
is the Soleil, eight ounces of the Soleil in the morning. So when I have had my BUN since then, every month, maybe four or five months now, my BUN has dropped significantly to the low normal range, which is perfect. Mm. And the only reason is that my body is getting hydrated better. And the energetic vibration of this water, because of the electrolyte uh, chemistry and frequencies that are potentially there, I believe, has made a huge difference. That's amazing. We'll definitely have to link to that in the show notes. I don't think people really understand how important the quality of water is. I was fortunate enough to learn about this from a podcast that was done maybe like four or five years ago. Um, and the guy who did it, his name's Daniel Vitalis. He was the host of the Rewild Yourself podcast. He actually started a website called find, findaspring.com. And he does it for free. And you can go on and you can type in your information and where you are. And it will show you where natural aquifers are and where they come out oh, and you can fantastic. even you can even harvest your own water and they they ended up closing down the little spigot um that we had at downtown salt lake um i didn't think they wanted people gathering like during the pandemic but we used to always harvest our water from there and it is amazing the difference between what most people think is water and actually true mineral water it is viscous it's like thick it's so good and enriching and yeah you can I would absolutely say you can feel a total difference on the amount of water that you can absorb versus, you know, normal water, dead water. I'm so glad you used that term. I, I do strongly believe in a difference of in the vibrational um, characteristics of different water. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, what, what is the name of that website? Findaspring.com. Findaspring.com. Yep. Okay, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, we'll link to that uh, in the well, show notes first as well. Of all, First of all, you know we are energetic beings, and I, that is part of my unconventional cancer protocols that I'll mention in uh, a moment because it's one of the most important concepts if you're thinking about just three that are most important. So um, every physical piece of matter vibrates with its own frequency. And why not? You, you certainly know that um, if we turned off the electricity in our body, we would die. Obviously, we are made up of nerves, we are made up of cells, we're made up of bacteria, we're made up of all kinds of stuff. Your brain is just a huge area of electrical activity. We, we're, all of our cells just sing to all of our other cells. And if they're out of tune, then it probably screeches and it just doesn't work right. So you have to be in tune energetically. And there's some interesting ways to do that. But my first concept, like I said, is the diet and the water. The second uh, protocol that's extremely critical, probably as critical as diet, is a healthy gut microbiome. And not just the fact that it's healthy, it has to have significant diversity of micro, uh, microbiome species and numbers of different species. And that parameter is called alpha diversity. So your alpha diversity, your diversity of bacteria in your gut needs to be as high as possible. And the reason why it's important is that when you have many, many, many different types of species, then the potential pathogenic guys that are in there get crowded out and you don't get disease. The concept is not to use antibiotics or antimicrobials to kill 
pathogenic species. You want to overwhelm them with healthier guys because there is no antimicrobial that is so specific to kill just the pathogens and not other good guys. So you, you really need to improve the gut microbiome in quantity. And by doing that, you will decrease the potential pathogenic species so that your body can heal itself. And this enhances, again, your immune system. Gotcha. So I have a question around that. Honest question. Like, I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. get confused when we talk about diversity in the microbiome. Can you have Mm -hmm. a very diverse microbiome when you're not having a vast diverse difference of food? You're eating basically the same thing? Well, definitely food will change the microbiome. And there was a study that was published a couple of years back that showed clearly that if you're on a plant-based diet, your microbiome has a certain signature. And if you change to an animal-based diet in 24 hours, that signature changes completely. Wow. And then if you change back to a plant-based diet, then it reverses itself to a different type of microbiome. So your food has a tremendous amount to do with the kind of species that you're, that you're, um, uh, that are living there. But if you're eating foods that have what would be called anti-nutrients, chemicals that are damaging the gut microbiome or the layer of the gut, then you will damage the healthier species and get an overgrowth of pathogenic bacteria. And all of this is called dysbiosis. Mm. And when you get dysbiosis in the gut, you also create lesions or holes in the gut lining, which is called a leaky gut. And that lining is only one cell layer thick. So when you have these little holes start to form, toxic elements that should stay in the gut until they get out from the other end can leak into your bloodstream, create inflammation, and that inflammation can go to all organ systems and create chronic disease, as well as periodontal disease, um, as well as cancer. So all of this is so intricately and intimately related. Our body is such a phenomenal machine. We have no idea the complexity of this body. And to think that we have such brilliance that we can say, uh, take this um, pill and you're going to be better, or take this whatever, and it's going to give you a healthy microbiome. It just doesn't work that way. You need to do all kinds of things to support all these different pathways in your body. Mm, That's very well explained. Thank you so much. Um, Anything else you'd like to talk about as far as the unconventional cancer protocols? Yeah. So the third thing, which I think is as critical as the first two that I mentioned, is that like Dr. Seafried said, that cancer is a disease of mitochondrial dysfunction. And as a matter of fact, all chronic disease is a disease of mitochondrial dysfunction. So mitochondria, uh, for your listeners, probably most of them know, but mitochondria are our energy battery um, uh, organelles in our cells. It's just like if you had a flashlight 
and you turn the button on, there'd be no light until you put the but if you put the batteries in, you turn the button on, the light glows rather brightly. But if you don't turn the button off, the light starts to dim because the battery is weak and eventually the light goes out. So those batteries are, in essence, the mitochondria of every cell in our body, except red blood cells. And so those mitochondria cause that cell to do what that cell is supposed to do. So if it's a liver cell, it does what a liver cell does. If it's a muscle cell, it does what the muscle cell needs to do, on and on and on. So when that, that energy contraption is breaking down, then the cell can't function correctly and it could become malignant. And that's where cancer basically uh, emanates. So we need to have a healthy mitochondria. So what I do to support my mitochondria and also the epithelial, the, the cell membrane itself is I incorporate pulsed electromagnetic field therapy in my routine three times a day. So I mentioned that you you understand that water is a, is an electrical vibrational entity. Um, our bodies are electrical beings, so our cells have a millivoltage potential. It's the gradient between the inside and outside of the cell that allows power to happen, and it pumps in nutrients and it pumps out junk and 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 waste products. And to do that. The cell membrane must be intact. The mitochondria must be intact. And to help to do and reestablish that energy level, pulse electromagnetic field therapy would be akin to a, a battery charger where you have a weakened battery, you plug it into a battery charger, charger, plug it into the wall, and the battery refreshes itself. So this is a method to refresh the frequency of the individual cells. So pulse electromagnetic fields are very um, uh, uh, small frequency, low frequency waves, generally from zero hertz to about 10,000 hertz, but hundreds, maybe thousands of different frequencies that are blended together, almost like a, um, a wave pattern of a symphonic orchestra. And these waves actually are generated by this machine that is very pure, no spikes of voltage or anything. It's very clean, very pure, and it filters through your body, enhancing individual cells based on the different frequencies that it's generating. And I have had quite significant success using this with certain, you know, you have to set up the right vibrational protocols, but I do this three times a day to help my body heal. That's amazing. Wow. It's, it's just so amazing. And it's cool to have all of these different things that we can use as tools. Maybe one of these is not sufficient enough, you know, to, to, let's say, you know, make cancer go into remission, but all of these are options that people can learn about and they can try them and see if they work or not. I, I, I'm so grateful that you're doing this work and you're sharing this with people. One of the places that you share so much information is on your website. And, yes. you know, on your website, I see there's a link where we can get your book, Crazy Good Living. Um, I see that we can also sign up for the Better Belly Blueprint, which is awesome. And you also are a prolific writer on your blog. And your blog is super interesting because one article will be called, you know, Carnivores by Nature, and you'll talk about the diet. And then another one will be a recipe for some delicious looking food, especially the seafood, <laughs> whatever seafood you posted recently. Man, just looked so amazing. But you also, 
you also don't limit yourself to what you talk about. And you, you've talked a lot about spirituality and what that has meant to you. What the, the video interview with God that you posted was super powerful. Um, I can definitely tell just from that video that most of that was shot in Utah. At least, at least 70% of that was Utah. I know that for sure. Um, and you know, you have a really difficult article to read called permission to die when you thought literally that that was the end and you were going to die. I saw that you and I have both come across um, a similar book that I really love. And I don't talk about this very often, but there's a book called The Journey of Souls and another book called um, Destiny of Souls. And I don't, I don't like to attach myself to any particular belief system, but reading that book, it, 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 it makes me want to believe it. I really want to trust in it. And it's this idea that we're all traveling through multiple lives and we interact with people. We might have a few special people that come and go in our lives, but we're all here to learn and grow and help each other through their own karma. Can you talk a little bit about, about that and the importance of having spirituality for you in your life? Wow. Um, yes, this is so exciting because I don't talk about it very much. Um, you know, you have to, this is not a subject that gets asked of me very much. And it's not a subject that a lot of people can wrap their heads around because it goes against some of their religious beliefs. I, I get that. That's okay. Let me tell you how all this began. Do you want to hear? Cause I have to go back to 1989. Yes, absolutely. No, you you, so. you should have seen me when I saw the title of that book and that blog. My jaw dropped to the ground. Not many people know about this stuff. Yeah, so I I will just preface this to tell you it's all true. Mm. Okay, it's all true. Mm. So how do I know? Okay, give me a chance. So um, in 1989, I got a uh, bug up my ass, and I decided I was going to write a newsletter that was going to go out to every periodontist in the country. It's called the Personal Report. It was on the practice of periodontics. It was a free newsletter to all periodontists in the country, about 5,000 or so at that time. And it was supported financially, since it was free, it was supported financially because I arranged for different dental companies that sold their products to periodontists to put advertising inserts, inserts into my newsletter. It's the days before the internet. And I had this oversized newsletter, the, I mean, an oversized envelope, the newsletter was an eight by 10 and maybe eight or 10 individual companies put their inserts in. And I sent that to everybody and it was very, very successful. And I had some other people write articles for me occasionally. And there was a woman on the West Coast, Coast. Here I am living on the East Coast, a woman on the West Coast that every now and then would send me a book report or a book to read. And I would read it and interpret it and figure out how I could write about it in a newsletter for periodontists. Hmm. So she once called me and she said, I have a book for you that is unlike any book you've ever read. And I said, well, you know, every book you've sent me is fantastic. So tell me about it. I'll read it. And she says, let me just tell you what this book meant to me. And she went on to tell me her story where her 16-year-old son was killed in a car accident. And she was devastated, as you might imagine. And a friend of hers recommended a book to read. And she read the book and it changed her life because now she knew her son was not was physical body was dead, but his spirit lived on. Mm. 
And she said, this book is called Many Lives, Many Masters by a physician, actually a psychiatrist, whose name is Brian Weiss. And I said, okay, what is it really about? I mean, how did it make you feel the way you feel? And she said, it's about reincarnation. And I said, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this is not a subject <laughs> that I can get excited about. I said, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to even read this. And she said, believe me that it's going to change your life. I said, okay, you have been unbelievably honest and truthful and right on point up until now. I will get the book. I'll order it. I'll get the book and I'll read it. Well, I got the book and I started to read it and I couldn't finish it. Um, and I read it all night long. And it, it described reincarnation and it made it such a believable topic from a, from a believable author. He, you know, Dr. Weiss, not only is a psychiatrist, he was head of the Department of Psychiatry, I think in Miami or something like that, or someplace in New York, wherever it was. And um, he had credentials like up the gazoo. So when I read this and it impressed me, I'm thinking, oh my God, this is mind-blowing. So I started to do some research in the soul. I had no interest in religion, although I had, you know, I was born in a religion, um, but I was not a practicing religious person. And so I divorced all of these concepts from religion to just the soul and the spirit. And I started to believe in this concept. And I found a place called the Monroe Institute in Faber, Virginia, where the originator, Robert Monroe, was a radio personality in his day. And he actually experienced and wrote about the first person that coined the term an out-of-body experience. And um, he wrote about it extensively and he funded a um, philanthropic type of organization called the Monroe Institute, where they did research on uh, extrasensory, not extrasensory, but um, states of consciousness and out-of-body experiences. But you could take, an individual could take a five-day course at the Monroe Institute, they limited the groups only to like 15 people once a week. And you could experience the concepts of how to get into a state of altered consciousness. So maybe you could actually get into a state of uh, uh, um, uh, an out-of-body experience. So that you do that by literally laying in a bed in, in this facility where they use headphones and sounds that are different on the right and left sides or hemispheres of the brain that trick your brain into going into a state of transcendental meditation. So you can get into a state of transcendental meditation within minutes, whereas it would take years to study how to do that. And I experienced, I did it twice in course of maybe four or five years. And I experienced some amazing things. But here's one thing that I want to tell you about, because this is relevant to now. When I was at the Monroe Institute, there are many, many people that have many, many psychic abilities that are there. And this psychic was walking with me and talked to me and explained to me 
um, how I could envision certain things and open doors to get into uh, some of my deepest memories from lives, lives gone by. And we did a kind of a guided imagery session together. And when she walked and worked with me mentally, visually, I had to walk up a mountain as I remember it. And there was this huge door, this huge wooden door that I had to unlock. And it was really going to be, when I opened it, it would actually open into a lot of history of who I was at different lives or what was going to happen in the future. And I couldn't open the door. Mm. I just could not open the door. And she said, well, don't worry about it. it. You have a block, but the block is because things are going to happen in um, the future that you not, are not supposed to know about yet. Okay, I accepted that. And then the Monroe Institute was over. It was great. Years after that, I started to investigate more, and I learned about Michael Newton. And I learned about and read all of his books, but the two most exciting books, Journey of Souls and Destiny of Souls, I read. And basically, as you know, and your readers need to read these books, um, it talks about not just going into a past life where you actually lived another life before your reincarnation today. It goes into stages between a life and your spirit world before you get reborn or um, reincarnated in another physical body. And that's the beautiful things about these two books, because Michael Newton was a professional a hypnotherapist, not a medical doctor, but a hypnotherapist treated patients by getting in, them into hypnotherapy. And he learned of the hundreds and hundreds of cases that he worked with that he could take a person into a past life experience and then uh, guide them into the next uh, life cycle where they were in their soul between lives. And the beautiful thing is that Hundreds and hundreds of people that he interviewed from all walks of life, all corners of the world, all types of religions, including atheists, when they were put into this hypnotic state, their recollection of the spirit world was almost identical to everyone else's. Crazy and consistent. That's what, crazy consistent. Crazy consistent. And that's what Journey of Souls and Destiny of Souls is all about. Well, it blew my mind. I couldn't, you know, I've read each of these books, maybe seven or 10. It's always on the top of my reading list, especially if I have nothing else to do. So Michael Newton was my newest um, knowledge-based spiritual awakening. And I figured I needed to have this done on me. So I found a therapist that was trained at the Newton Institute. And this therapist was located in Charleston, South Carolina, which was great for me. And she tried to put me into these states of regression and work me through these lives between lives um, sessions. And I had no success. Um, 
I don't know if it was her, it was me. I am very resistant. I'm very um, cautious about who I let into my innermost feelings. So I, I probably could not allow this to happen. And I was very disappointed. So I had two different sessions with her separated by a year and it was totally unsuccessful. But I didn't give up. And I then started to proceed to figure out where the best therapists were, at least in the United States. I'm not, I wasn't going to travel outside of the country. And I found a therapist that was trained by the Newton Institute that had what I considered quite successful credentials. And she was in uh, Florida at the time, Sarasota, Florida, I believe. Mm. So I called her. I talked to her. Um, she had very intensive program. It was literally two sessions, maybe a six hour session in one evening and another six hour session the next day. And I flew down to Florida and I went through this. Here's the interesting thing. I, it's difficult for me to go into a state of hypnosis, although I think we did that successfully. And when she kind of guided me to a point where I should have been able to get to my master's, as you know, um, in Life Between Lives, you literally write the script of what your life is designed to be the next time you're incarnated so that you learn lessons. And there's no hell, by the way. We are all here to learn lessons. So we are good people, and sometimes we're bad people. We are women, we are men. We have disabilities, we have wealth. We have all kinds of things in all these different lives to literally make us as rounded as a human can be as we evolve and progress um, up this huge ladder to whatever the ultimate power might be. So I am trying to get to this stage where I am supposed to meet my masters, my, 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 um, I forget the, the term that he used, but you know, this organized group of elders that's reviewing my life and what I'm going to do next. And I have a block and I just can't get to that. I see things, but I can't get to that. And she says to me, you, you are not supposed to know um, what's going to happen yet. And this was maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that. So I'm accepting that and I'm remembering the, the experience six or so years before that in the Monroe Institute where I couldn't get through this door because the psychic was telling me, um, you're just not supposed to know what's going to happen yet. So fast forward to now, I think, I think my lesson is to have experienced these life threatening events to make a difference. Wow. <laughs> and I believe it. Wow. I truly believe it. I, I would love to have another life between live regressions with a therapist that knows what she's doing, like the one in Florida. Now that I have experienced this 
devastation in my life that has now turned out to be a very sweet experience and not devastating at all. So um, when I tell you I believe that this is the case, I believe it with my entire heart and soul. I cannot prove it. You know, this is not provable. But with all the reading I have done, with all the experiences I have had, and literally being on the edge of death, how much closer can you be to death than being in a hospice hospital and everybody's dying around you? And I would have died unless the hurricane took me from the hospital to my home where my wife could literally shake me up and change my life. So I believe my purpose, and and I'm not obviously going to live forever, but my purpose was to get through this huge block, which is cancer. How could I have understood cancer if I knew about it in the Monroe Institute? Or if I knew about it when I was having regressions, then I wouldn't have experienced the knowledge and learning that I was supposed to have. Wow. I just, the, the hair on the back of my neck is like standing straight up. That is such an amazing, incredible story and such an amazing life lesson. And I'm so, so, so grateful for you and being willing to talk about it and go there because that, that can be very you know personal and shaky to the core, but what an amazing experience and what an amazing lesson to take. And, and I, I know you are doing that work now and you're helping a lot of people, which is really amazing. Um, if you had one simple thing you would like to leave with a listener from this amazing conversation, what would that one thing be? Sure. Well, you have to believe in yourself. And I, I do believe that we are an amazing machine. A human machine is an amazing machine. And we have the ability to heal ourselves until we die. And I would not take what a guy with a lot of letters after his name and a white coat tells you as gospel um, off the bat. I think you need to do a little research. I think you need to ask questions. If that physician doesn't uh, want to answer your questions or resists anything that's alternative, I think you should fire him and find somebody else because there are many, many, many people out there. Many are very integrated today. So I need, I think you need to have different ideas of how to treat your disease if you have a life-threatening disease. But resilient individuals, we do know our bodies know how to heal ourselves. I will tell you that um, I have to say this in the correct way. You know, the FDA will not allow this to go on YouTube, but it is important for all of us to understand that our immune system is the critical element to fight disease. It's not a pill that we take that all of a sudden makes us immune from a disease. It is not a shot in the arm that all of a sudden makes us superhuman. It doesn't work that way. Our bodies can fight any and every infection known to man until it can't. And if it can't, it can't. But there is no human pill to make you stronger than your body can be. The problem is we have destroyed our immune systems because we are eating the wrong foods, 
and they're promoted by all of the agricultural companies. We're put, taking in all kinds of chemicals and drugs, which are promoted by the pharmaceutical companies. And we are inundated with chemicals and dirty electromagnetic fields and emotional stress and over-exercising, creating oxidative stress and staying awake all kinds of hours of the night with problems with circadian rhythm. And all of these factors affect our biology. Every cell in our body communicates with every other cell. And if you give your body everything it needs and just remove everything that's possible that you can remove that it doesn't need, then you can do the most for yourself. And that's my recommendation. That is absolutely an amazing way to end an amazing conversation. This has been one of my favorites, such an honor to talk to you and learn from you. And it's so amazing that you're living your life's calling and you're sharing with other people. Where would you like us to send people that want to connect with you, that want to find your work? And what are some things that you're really excited about sharing with them? So what I would like people to do is to get to me by my website, drdannenberg.com, D-R-D-A-N-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. There is a contact button where people can put in an email message and it comes directly to my email. I answer all my personal emails by myself. I have written two mini eBooks that are downloadable on Amazon, uh, Better Belly Blueprint, which is my concept of an animal-based slash plant um, uh, type of diet. And also is your gut killing you that talks in detail about what's going on with diet and our environment and the effects of our gut microbiome on our oral health as well as all of our other organs um and i do some uh virtual coaching i do a consultation for an hour and a half i get information from the individual that they send me online and we have a very detailed conversation about concerns um dental cancer, gut, other issues. Uh, that's about an hour and a half, like I said. And then I do a 12-week coaching program on balanced metabolic flexibility where I help individuals get their other factors in line, like I've talked about with my protocols, as well as creating what's called metabolic flexibility and a really robust immune system. That sounds amazing. We will definitely link to that in the show notes. I would highly encourage the listener to go take advantage of those materials because they are immense and wonderful. Dr. Al Dannenberg, thank you so much. We're so grateful for you and for your time. And it's been an honor to have you here on our show. It's been fun. Thanks, Casey. Absolutely. And this has been another episode of Boundless Body Radio. 